0: Good morning, good morning. It is so good to hear uh, chatter in church and hear uh, just uh, the, the life. We're so excited uh, to be here with you this morning. Uh, hey, if you are new in visiting with us for the very first time, we would love to connect with you. If you wouldn't mind just texting the word welcome to the number on the screen, 406-219-0314. Uh, just follow the prompts, and uh, we'd like to uh, start a relationship with you. Church is so much about relationships, Amen. Uh, or obviously, our relationship with God and our relationship with one another, but we would uh, love to do that, and uh, just excited you're here with us this morning. If you have a Bible, go to Galatians chapter number five. We are going to uh, dive back into our study that we've been in for, gosh, quite some time now. I don't remember when we started this, right? Uh, Galatians, uh, excited to be back in this book. Hope you enjoyed uh, Tate Kennedy, our uh, now new missionary that we are supporting, to Uh, the Czech Republic, excited to see what God is going to do in their lives as they go back here in April. So pray for them. They're going to be in lots of churches here over the next few weeks and uh, planning on going back. I think mid-April is when they're uh, planning to go back to the Czech Republic, but uh, God's doing work in their lives and uh, is going to continue to do that, so we're excited about that. Galatians 5, we'll have the scripture on the screen as we go along this morning, but I want to start by just asking you to consider uh, what your life would look like if you sinned less. Ever thought about that? Uh, what would your life look like if you uh, won more and lost less in this battle that we all fl- face with, with our flesh, right? What, what would your life look like uh, if you sinned less? W- what would your life look like if you had less bouts with addiction, right? The things that maybe you put in your body, the things that maybe you allow your eyes to see and you allow your mind to indulge in, what would your life look like? if you were gripped less by addiction today? What, uh, what if you had fewer outbursts of anger and rage in your life with your family, with your loved ones, with your coworkers? What would it look like if you were less gripped by those things today? What would your life look like if you were less jealous and less bitter? about your circumstances of life. Whatever it is, whatever uh, it, it might be that grips you in life, what if there was just less of that, right? I don't think we often think about those, those things. We, just, we often just face this struggle, but we never look at like what could it be like if we struggled less, if we won more? I, I think for some of you hearing that this morning, uh, you might be thinking this, like that's impossible right? Uh, I've tried too long. I've struggled too long with this, this sin, this habit in my life. It's just too difficult to get to that point, point. and for many of us, we just think, I'm too far gone. It's just not possible for me to get to that place in life. Well, if that's you today, I want you to know you're not only in good company, but there is hope for you and there is help for you, and I, in the scriptures today, uh, and it's available to every single person who calls Jesus their Lord and Savior this morning, and the help is found in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit of God, amen? Uh, we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling with inside of us to uh, guide us and convict us and direct us and give us power to overcome the presence and power of sin. And he not, not only knows the struggle that we're facing this morning, but he is fully equipped to help us win the battle. Well, I want to welcome you back to this sermon series that we started so long ago in the book of Galatians. As We're just kind of walking verse by verse through this wonderful and practical book of the Bible that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to these churches in Galatia, in the southern region of Galatia. Uh, Galatians is not just one church, it's many, many churches that Uh, Paul started and equipped, and uh, they uh, had a lot of issues, right? As you know, they were uh, struggling with these people that were trying to uh, basically tell them, hey, the gospel isn't enough for you. Jesus isn't enough for you, that you need more. You need the law. You need uh, all of this religious duty. You need to become a Jew, if you truly want to be justified and sanctified in Jesus Christ. And of course, this whole letter is Paul's argument and Paul's explanation of saying, hey, time out, Like you are saved by grace, you don't need to add the law, you don't need to add the rules in order to be a Christian. And so this whole book uh, is really about Paul saying, look, your salvation is by faith alone, through Christ alone, by grace alone. That's how we come to salvation, Not our religious efforts, not the law, not the rules, not our religious duty, but through the faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ this morning. And that might be the most important thing that you hear this morning, that salvation is free for you, uh, that you don't have to be religious, that you don't have to do all of this stuff in order to clean your life up, that the gift of salvation is offered freely for you this morning, and if you're willing to take it, you can have it today. And we're a bunch of people this morning, amen, Christians, uh, that have received that free gift, right? We are sinners saved by grace. And so that is really this message of the book of Galatians. And, and these guys were straying from that. As many of you know, if you've been with us this uh, entire time, these were a group of people who said, Yeah, we believe the gospel. Uh, we believe in Christ for our salvation, but they began to stray from that foundational uh, truth that we are also so pr- prone to do as well, right? Uh, we've kind of said that from the very beginning, and you'll hear me say that uh, until the very end, is that we are prone, as even as Christians, to stray from what is true, uh, to believe lies about God, to believe, believe lies about the person of Jesus. And, and I would say especially this, to believe lies about the Holy Spirit of God uh, and I, I say especially the Holy Spirit of God because there, there there seems to be so much confusion is there not about Jesus today about the Holy Spirit about the work of the Spirit how does he work what is it like to to feel his presence what is it like to experience the Holy Spirit of God in our lives and so we we need to get this right we need to have a biblical understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and how he works in our lives and so We need to understand what is at stake this morning. When it comes to this idea of the Spirit of God working in our lives and helping us to live a life that is more free from sin, that we would win this battle more, like, what does this look like? What's at stake for you and I this morning? Well, here's why you should lean in. So, Why should you listen this morning to anything I have to say or what the Scriptures have have to say this morning? What's at stake is this, is ruining your life on the shores of sin. What's at stake for every single person in this room this morning based on what we're going to read in Galatians chapter number five is you and I risking ruining our lives on the shores of sin. That's what's at stake. That we wouldn't wreck our relationship with God and with other people. That we wouldn't allow sin to overcome us and put us back in bondage today. That we wouldn't allow sin to hold us captive to false ideas and, uh, and, and assumptions that we believe about ourselves or we believe about our circumstances ruining our lives on the shores of sin. Some of you are here this morning, you're like, oh, that couldn't happen to me. Like, that would never happen to me. Well, I want you to know the Galatians probably said that, uh, the people of Galatia probably said that at one time, that it could never happen to us. We would never fall into false ideas about the gospel and fall away from the truth. And yet the very thing that they probably said would never happen was happening And so I would also say this, is not only are we at risk of ruining our lives on the shores of sin, but we are also at risk of of doing this is ruining our ability to reach the lost. Because that's what sin does, right? When when we allow sin to win more in our lives, uh, when we allow sin to just run rampant in our lives, and we don't learn to walk in the Spirit and learn to overcome the flesh, sin not only ruins our lives, but it ruins our ability to reach people for Jesus Christ. And this is what we're called to do, amen, is to reach people for Jesus. And so that's what sin does. And we really continue, if you are you know, open your eyes to what's happening in the world today, even in Christian communities, you see uh, leaders that fall to immorality and you see the ripple effect that that has, right, upon the Christian community, upon churches and upon communities. And it's devastating, yet not a single person in this room, including myself, is immune to it, right? We're all prone to this. And so how do we win more? How do we win more and lose less? How do we we win this battle with our flesh? Is there anything that we can do? Is there hope this side of heaven for you and I today? Well, there is, and I'm going to share with you and I this morning uh, some thoughts, but let me just remind us, one day the battle will be over, amen? Uh, And a lot of us are looking forward to that. Like, one day we're not going to struggle with sin anymore. One day the battle with our flesh uh, will be over, And uh, we'll be perfect like Jesus and be in perfect harmony with the Father. And that's going to be a glorious, glorious, glorious day uh, that we ought to anticipate right now. But in the meantime, what do we do, right? In the meantime, what do we do? Well, let's read our text, and let's see what we can find out this morning. We started really this a few weeks back, this idea, and we really want to lean back into this this thought of walking in the Spirit. What does that mean, and what does that look like, and how can we apply this to our lives today? And so I want to lean back into this Uh, passage this morning and uh, develop it a little bit further, but let's read it together, starting in verse 16. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Galatians, and he says this, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's both a command and a promise, like right out of the gate. Paul's like, hey, look, this is a a command for you, that if you're a child of God this morning, you ought to walk by, live by, be controlled by, dominated by The Spirit of God, every moment of your life. And if you do that, we have this wonderful promise that says you will not gratify or fulfill the desires of your flesh. It's a really, really big statement. But go on in verse 17, it says this, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, verse 18, you are not under the law. You know, if we're honest this morning, I would say probably the majority of us would say this, I gratify my flesh more than I live by the Spirit, right? That if we're honest with ourselves this morning, we would say, you know what, I don't walk in the Spirit as much as I should. That, that I often, there's probably more moments in my life, in my day, in my week, that I give into my flesh than I actually submit to the Spirit of God. It's just a common tension, For every single Christian in this room this morning, that's uh, something we all face, and any Christian who tells you otherwise is either lying, right, or they're a little delusional, right? We all face this battle. And guess who else understood this battle as well? The Apostle Paul. Paul. I mean, the great apostle Paul, who wrote so many, uh, uh, you know, so much scripture and gave us so much uh, uh, about who God is, and developed so much doctrine for us to understand a relationship with God. The apostle Paul of all people, he knew what it was like to live in this tension, this battle with our own flesh. Listen, to what he said in Romans chapter seven it might be very, very familiar to many of you. But in verse fourteen, he says, "For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin." for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want to, but I do the very thing that I hate. This is the unfortunate battle. Paul says, look, I I get it. Like, I understand what it's like to live in that tension. I understand what it's like to do things that you don't want to do and and regret those things. Paul Paul faced that tension continually. I do the things that I don't want to do, sin, reigning in my life. And so we talked about this last time. I just want to rehash a little bit of this this morning to get us back into it. Paul presents us with this this idea, this thought that we we started a few weeks back saying we need to walk in the Spirit that walking in the Spirit is this thing that we continually do, that we take step after step in life in order to live this life of walking and being controlled by God's Spirit rather than allowing the flesh to control our lives. And that's such an important and necessary concept that we need to not only learn but come back to day after day after day, walk by the Spirit. But what does that look like? What does that look like? And how do I actually do it? Well, my hope is that as we go through this, not only this week, but the weeks to come, that we'll develop this even more and have a better understanding. But I love, I love the fact that Paul uses that term walk, don't you? Because we think in terms of like big moments, that if I'm gonna be a Christian, and I'm going to be a good Christian. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to leave church and be a better Christian. There's got to be these big leaps and these epic moments in life that we say, man, that was amazing and that was great and God you know, met with me. And we have this epic emotional experience. And those are great, aren't they? Those are wonderful uh, those, those are things that, that can and, and should happen at times in our lives where we experience the presence of God that, 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 that kind of catapults us into His presence and His power. But I, I would say to you this morning that that's the exception and not the rule. Uh, that, that, that yes, those moments can happen and those things can, can, can transpire in our lives, but walking by the Spirit... less about the leaps and it's more about the daily grind of taking one step at a time in the direction of Jesus. Walk by the Spirit, right? Walk by the Spirit. And so we said last time that uh, this, and I really want to pick this thought back up because I believe it's, it's, it's something, it kind of strikes a chord with us, I think, that if we're going to do that, if we're going to walk more and leap less, if we're going to take one step at a time, if we're going to just slowly, methodically be changed into the image and likeness of Jesus, if we're just going to take a step, uh, we often have to look at the pace of our living, don't we? And I said this last time, and I want to rehash it again, is that we're living at an unsustainable pace that has no room for Jesus in it. Would you agree with that? That even as Americans today, right? Like we're living at such a hurried pace in life. And we read things in scripture, walk, and we would say, I don't have time for walking. Life is too busy. We need to change our pace. And we need to create some space in our lives that we can actually listen to the Holy Spirit of God speaking. And leading, and convicting, and teaching us, we are living. I would say at a different pace than Jesus lived. We talked about that, didn't we? The pace of Jesus and how Jesus just seemed to like never be in a hurry, right? I mean, moment after moment in life, where you know uh, uh, people would come and say, "Come and heal my my son or my daughter." They're at death's bed, and Jesus is just walking along, interrupted by other people and other circumstances. Never in a hurry, Jesus walked at a different pace. And so we said, we we need to actually think about the pace of living, right? And maybe just something simple for us to do is is to say, maybe I need to change my pace, that if I really want to walk in the Spirit, maybe I need to look at the pace of living and be willing to change the pace that I am living at and evaluate, do I have room in my life, do I have space in my life to walk in the Spirit? And so walk in the Spirit, and Paul says we won't gratify uh, the lusts of our flesh we won't give in and that is a wonderful promise in scripture that we need to constantly 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 apply to our daily living and and, and so this really comes down to this and this is what we're going to focus on this morning and it's a thought we i think we come back to so many times in scripture the scriptures point us in this direction and, and it's our bottom line for today and that is this is that what dominates your life what dominates your life will often rule your life isn't that true The things that dominate your time, the the things that dominate your thinking, the things that dominate, you know, all the the effort that goes into day after day after day is often the thing that will rule your life. Isn't that true? And, And if it's not the Spirit of God that is dominating your life, then it's obviously going to be something else, isn't it? I went to Bible college to reveal that epic deep truth to you this morning. You're like, shocker, right? if the spirit of god is not the person that is dominating your life something else will and so we got to ask ourselves not just today because it's church and I'm at church and listening and you know whatever the case might be but we got to wake up monday morning we got to ask ourselves what is dominating my life and what will dominate my day we have got to ask ourselves, what is dominating and controlling me? And maybe it's just something as simple this morning as saying, I'm going to change my pace today. I'm going to change my pace today so the Spirit of God can dominate my life. You know, everyone can do that, right? everyone can do that, Uh, but I want to take this a step further here this morning, and and we're really going to get to next week the contrast between uh, what it looks like to walk in the Spirit and and some things that are going to help identify us, like, am I really walking in the Spirit or am I walking in the flesh? Like, which thing is dominating my life? Next week, we're going to really dive into that uh, this this morning, this idea, but notice in verses 17 uh, and 18 again, because we're going to focus really the rest of our time here. Paul says this, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 17 is pretty cut and dry, is it not? It doesn't need a whole lot of uh, explanation, at least I don't think. The tension here is this tension that we all face, the Spirit and the flesh. And the Spirit is at odds with the flesh. And if you're a child of God today, you know, you're a little schizophrenic, right? I mean, you have this this dual personality at times. The spirit wants to do this, but yet the flesh wants to do this, and they're opposed to one another. And so the spirit of God dwelling with inside of you acts as kind of a restrainer, does he not? He restrains our flesh. He convicts us. He teaches us. He guides us. If we didn't have the spirit of God dwelling within us, we would give in every moment, every circumstance every single time, and so the Spirit restrains us, but really what I want to focus on is verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I want you to underline or circle or just make a mental note of that word, if, this morning. because That's a big word. It's kind of an important word. It's a conditional statement. If you are led by the Spirit of God, if just means simply this this morning, you have a choice. Isn't it interesting that God gives us a choice every day, whether we're going to serve him or not he gives us a choice every single day whether we're going to worship him or worship ourselves or worship something else in life he gives us a choice and we have a choice here whether or not we are going to let the spirit of god lead us in every circumstance of life this is a choice i want you to know that you make daily moment by moment Not not just the big, epic moments. Like, I made a choice on Sunday to let the Spirit lead me. No, it's a choice that you make on Monday morning at 8 o'clock and at 9 o'clock. And when you have that hard conversation or where you're faced with that challenging situation in life or whatever it is, that you would say, I have a choice in this to either be led of me or to be led of the Spirit of God. Am I going to choose to let the Spirit lead me in every circumstance of life. This is the question, is it not? This is the question. And you're going to leave here this morning, and that, listen, I guarantee you this, you will be faced with that question, right? At some point in your day, you will have a choice to make whether or not you will let the Spirit of God lead you in your circumstance. And so understand this, the Holy Spirit uh, in his leading, it's not automatic. Right? And, and, and this is something we need to understand. Even though that he dwells in us, even though he's inside of us, even though he's there to teach us and convict us and all of these things and to point us uh, to Jesus and to make us more into the image of Christ, it's not automatic that he leads. You and I have to make the choice to let him lead. And I want you to know this morning, every single moment of your day, the Holy Spirit is just waiting, waiting for you to say Yes. I will let you lead me. You know the word lead, is, uh, it's a common word. It's an interesting word. It simply means this in the, in the Greek, to lead by laying hold of. And I like that, isn't it? Like if you're going to lead something, you're like, I'm going to lay hold of it. Like your children, you, know, you grab them by the hand if you go to the, the mall, which we don't have a mall in Montana. Welcome everyone from out of state. There is no mall here, right? So we're like, yes, it's awesome. Right? We have other things, right? But if you go somewhere that's busy and crowded, you take your children by the hand and you lead them. In the direction that you're going, right? It really has the, uh, the connotation of taking something from one point and leading it to a destination, like we would lead an animal, right, uh, uh, to, a, to a destination. And, and so the Holy Spirit, uh, his job and, and his desire is to lead you and I to a destination. And that is the image and likeness of Jesus Christ a place of blessing, a place of peace, a place of, place of joy, a place of fulfillment, and a place of transformation. The Spirit of God wants to lead you there. Uh, many years ago, I was a, a youth pastor, and we took a group of junior high kids on a backpacking trip, uh, which I would not recommend doing. I just would not <laughs> recommend doing. Um, but we took a group of kids, a large group of kids, five, seven miles back into uh, National Forest, and uh, two to three days, something like that. It was a, it was a great time, but uh, we had, you know, we had a lot of food we had to bring in, right, to feed all these kids for, for two days, and, and, uh, and so we had a, a, a student that was in our youth ministry that had graduated, and their family had horses. And so we said, hey, we'll bring our horses, right, and we'll pack, a, you know, pack horses in, pack all the food in, and I was like, great, you know, because I don't want to carry it, right, and nobody else does, uh, and so we, we brought these cor- uh, horses in, two of them, and being the expert horseman that I am, Oh, why are you laughing? <laughs> I am not a horseman. Those of you that are new this morning, like, I am the furthest thing from an expert horseman. But I got to lead one of the horses uh, in and out of the mountains. And to this very day, I'm still a little unsure who is leading who. <laughs> we will just kind of it, leave it at that. Um, but anyways, funny story. We, um, we had this kid, he, he, you know, his horses, his family's horses, and uh, they had hunted for years back in this area and camped out there. And so the horses are very familiar, right, with the trail, and they're familiar with the camp. And so we finally get to the camp, and it's on a lake, and uh, you had to cross a bridge to get to the other side. And, and so we get there, and there's like a hitching post. And uh, the student says, hey, you know, I'm just going to leave them uh, to graze. I'm like, okay, I don't know anything about horses, right? And so he leaves the lead on it doesn't hook them up to the hitching post you already know probably where this is going right Uh, and so they're grazing around and everyone else is you know doing their own thing we're fishing and and uh, catching rainbows you know in the lake having a good old time and and all of a sudden but like you know half an hour later we hear this everybody looks up and we look across the lake and there's the horse full gallop running away huh and his brother was with us, his brother, the, the kid that uh, brought the horses, His brother was there and I said, hey, are you going to help your brother? He goes, nope. <laughs> I was like, huh. So we look up and there's his brother running full full steam. And he's yelling, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the horse doesn't stop, you know, obviously. But the good thing was that there was a switchback. There was a switchback in the trail not far uh, beyond the lake. And so that horse just ran the switchback, right? And so he's like, the only way I'm going to get in front of this horse is if I run straight up the hill. And sure enough, he did. He cut him off. He got in front of the horse, and he comes back. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of a fun experience uh, for all of us. (laughs) But the funniest part of this story is the middle of the night, we're in a cabin. Some of the leaders were in a cabin together. In the middle of the night, uh, Christine will remember this, uh, he sits up in bed. He sits up in bed. And he starts yelling, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and so we had to wake him up and uh, let him know that it's OK. You got the horses, right? But that horse didn't want to be led, right? I mean, that horse, it, it, his mind was on, like, I want to go back to the barn, right? I want to go back to the trailer. I want to go back. Uh, you know." All, he, and he would have. He would have gone all the way back to the trailer. Um, but that was in his mind, and we're really no different, right? Either When we have something said in our minds, like we want something, we have to make a choice. Am I going to let the Spirit of God lead me in the direction that he wants me to go, or am I going to run in the opposite direction? So I, let me share just a few principles, easy thoughts for you this morning when it comes to walking in the Spirit and being led of the Spirit. There's two, maybe three important. I'll share three With you this morning and and that that is this the first is that jesus i want you to know was led of the spirit uh you may know this already but i I find this absolutely fascinating that you have the son of god god himself in the flesh saying i'm not going to lead me i'm gonna let the spirit lead me every moment every step of my doesn't that kind of shock your system a little bit that jesus needed someone to lead him That he would make the choice to say, I am going to show you what it's like to walk and live in the Spirit. Let me give you just a few examples here. This is not exhaustive, it's all throughout the New Testament. But in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, it says this Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he returned from the Jordan and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is when Jesus was tempted for 40 days, that he was led into that moment. By the Spirit of God. Even when he was a young child, when he was just a boy, he was led of the Spirit. In Luke chapter 2, in verse 27, it says, and he came in the Spirit, by the Spirit, into the temple. We won't read the rest of it, but Jesus, as a young boy, the Spirit of God led him to this moment and led him to this place. Even before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah said these words in chapter 11, in verse 2, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon you want to know who the messiah is you want to know some markers to identify the, the the messiah the spirit will rest upon him and he will have a spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and fear of the lord and jesus certainly certainly had all of those things so here's the thing if jesus god literally in the flesh depended on and lived every day led by the spirit how much more do you and i right need to be led by by God's Spirit. How much more do we need to say yes to the Spirit rather than yes to our flesh? Which really leads me to the second thought that we need to understand, and that is this, is I need, I need to be led of the Spirit. I need to be led of the Spirit. That sounds simple, doesn't it? But it's this recognition that we would actually say those words, I need. Nobody likes to say that, do we? Especially in Montana. I don't need anything, right? I don't need help. I don't need someone in life. I can do it myself. We have that mindset and that, that thought, and that's an uncomfortable thing for us to say that I need someone to lead me, that I need someone to guide me in life. No one likes to admit that, right? We want to do things on our own. It's just human nature, but we have to come to grips at some point in our lives, in this walk that we're, we're walking, continuing with Jesus, that we would say, I can't do it on my own. I don't know about you, but, but if left to myself, I make a mess, right? Anybody relate to that this morning? Apart from Jesus, my life is a train wreck. This is what God teaches us time and time again throughout the scriptures. I'll give you one example. In John 15, 5, Jesus says this, I'm the vine. You remember this? I am the vine, you are the branches whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing we say no that's not true that's not true this idea that, that unless we're attached to the source of life we can accomplish nothing of any spiritual value And so hear me, hear me, hear me this morning. Unless you and I come to this realization that we are in desperate need of Jesus for every moment and every circumstance, to be the mom, to be the dad, to be the husband, to be the wife, to be the grandparent, to be the friend, to be the worker, whatever it is in life. Unless we come to grips with this and realize this, Church, we will give way more into our flesh than we will the Spirit of God. That we would say, I need desperately Jesus and his Holy Spirit to guide my life. You cannot live detached from the Spirit of God. Let me give you another example. Romans chapter 7 and verse 18, Paul says this, for I know, I know that nothing... There's not a, not a single thing. There's nothing in me that dwells or good that dwells within inside me. There's no righteousness. There's no good. This is the Apostle Paul, not pre-Christianity, not pre-Christ, post-relationship, right? He's, he's already known Christ. He already has a relationship with Christ. And He says, there's nothing in me that is good, that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Why do I, why do I need to be led of the Spirit? there's nothing good inside here. Because my flesh will always and does always desire to do what I want to do. And he takes it even one step further. He says, look, I don't even have the ability to carry it out. I don't even have the ability to carry out to do what is right. What a humble and truthful realization to come to, that I don't have anything within me in my flesh to do what is right. Boy, does that ever deflate the self-righteous, right? Does that ever deflate those that would say, no, my life is is pretty good. I've got my life in order. I'm kind of doing the right things and all that. It really deflates those that would would rely on their own self-effort and rely on their own rule-keeping and rely on their own moral life. You may think you're righteous because you do things that appear to be righteous, but you and I actually, according to Paul, we have no ability in and of ourselves to be righteous. It is all through the Spirit of God. I I need, I need, right? I need, I need to move on, actually, because I'm going to run out of time. So we need to understand, right? Basic, I need this. I need a Spirit. And the second thing we need to understand, really decide to do is, is to say, I choose, right? And there's really a difference, is there not? between saying, I need something, and I choose something. This isn't rocket science, is it? This is basic Christianity 101, that we would say, I understand the the, the need for the presence of God in my life. I understand that I can't go it alone. I understand my need for Him day in and day out, but I am choosing right now to be led of Jesus, to be led of His Spirit. And I want you to know this morning that God, he allows you and I, even as Christians, to make that choice daily. Right now, today, you will have a choice whether or not you will choose to let the Spirit of God lead your life. Will you choose to let him lead you? What a difference it could make these are things that we understand intellectually and we talk about in a Christian context time and time and time again with other Christians and we rehash all of those things, but are we actually letting the Spirit of God lead ourselves and lead our eyes and lead everything that we do in life to lead our family and to lead our finances, lead whatever, whatever we do in life? Are we, are we willing to say, God, I choose, choose to let you lead my life How do we do that? Let me offer you just one practical thing, right? One practical thing that you and I can do this morning. How do we choose to let the Lord lead us and let his spirit lead us? Maybe we would just pray this prayer, right? That we would say this, God, before I do this job, I I don't know about you, but like, I I don't work in in the construction field. I did for many years uh, uh, with with a friend, and by working in the construction field, I mean, like, I swept a lot of floors, (laughs) I guess what I do, like, no, 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 you can't really run the power equipment, right? Um, But when I do, like, run power equipment and saws and chop saws and table saws, man, I don't know about you, but, like, I always say a prayer, God, please help me to not cut off my finger. Uh, Because I know people who work in that field for years and years, and they cut their fingers off, right? And so, Lord, before I do this, like, but what if we approached everything, right? What if we approached everything? Lord, before I do this job, Lord, before I make this decision, Lord, before I have this conversation with my spouse or with this coworker, uh, will you please lead me by your Holy Spirit? Because I recognize that I need you and I'm choosing for you to lead my life. Let me just maybe simplify that. Lord, I choose to be led of you right now. Not just today. I mean, we, we, we often approach it like, you know, I'm going to pray today. Lord, lead my day. And then a day just like unravels, right? Like, God, what happened? It's your fault, you know? It's like this moment by moment thing, is it not? That we recognize, God, I, I, can't, I, I can't take a step. I can't do anything apart from you leading me. What if, what if just for the next week, we would say, God, would you, would you lead me? in every circumstance of my life. What if you prayed that consistently? What dominates your life will rule your life. Would you stand with me as our worship team comes this morning? What dominates your life will rule your life. What is dominating you this morning? For some of you, let's be real. Like, this is the best place to be real and to be honest today, right? What might be dominating you is the habit of sin, and and I get that. Like we all, we all have those moments, and we all have those times in our lives where sin is the thing that's dominating. But we can change it. We can—it's called repentance, isn't it? Not that we would do an about face and we would say, "Man, I'm heading in this direction, and this direction is not—it's not godly. It's not honoring Him, and it's wrecking my life." And you got to get so sick of your sin. And you've got to get so sick of what it's leading and in, in breeding in your life that you would say, man, I want to change the direction of my life. And Jesus is like, walk in my spirit. You'll lose less. You'll lose less. Walk, in, walk by my spirit, verse 16. And you will not, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Would you be willing to pray just a simple prayer this morning as you leave, as you go to lunch, as you interact with your family or whoever, and say, Lord, I know I need you, and I choose, I choose to be led by your Spirit right now. Christian, that prayer consistently will change and transform your life more into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. It will. And God's just waiting waiting for you and I to say, yes, yes, I will. Father God, this morning, we're so grateful for Scripture. We're so grateful for not only its commands, but its promises that it brings. God, you don't, you don't want to, like, wreck our lives or make it miserable. You want to bring uh, joy and peace and transformation. So, Lord, help us to learn to submit the Holy Spirit in his leading in our lives and in every circumstance where we might be used of you, that we might find joy in you, that we might find the richness and the blessings of walking with you. God, I I pray for every single person in this room this morning that they would leave here and say sin won't dominate but the Spirit will. And I choose to be led of the Spirit today. pray in Christ's precious name. Amen. Would you worship one last time with us today?